Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift. Benji's been racing on Zwift today. I've just been cruising on Zwift, um, but we're still both amped up. We're nothing if not flexible. We will do Tirreno Adriatico first today because Paranese was a bit of a snoozer. <laughs> and Tirreno, yeah, a bit of a snoozer, understatement. And Tirreno <laughs> was a brilliant stage. We've got a lot of the best punchers in the world here, minus Godou and Pagacha in Paris-Nice. We've got Roglic, Van Aert, Pidcock, Van der Poel on this a World Championships course, Benji. 217Ks from Greccio to Tortoretto. I go along the beach. They do four reps of the Tortoretto climb. The last three are 3.2Ks at 7%, but the there's a 500-meter section with about 1,200 meters to go at 10%, and it levels off a bit. And it's almost flat at the finish. This was, I don't know, this was a really good stage design. And it's no surprise that we see guys tuning up for San Remo here at Torreno instead of in the cold in the crosswinds at Paranese. Yes, I would say that. And it's also that copy-paste from that Belante stage from last year yeah. where we saw Alaphilippe attack early in the Remco Evenepoel take on the last climb for that team. And in this stage... The first action for GC after the break was called and so forth. Gotta be honest, completely forgot who was in the breakaway, but Yolo I'm gonna guess and say random Italian pro teams. Corotec <laughs> and Yolo, for sure. Hold it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, once again, Quickstep launching on the third last climb, and I I was like Well before then though. Why? Were you were you surprised in in to do with your point? Were you surprised yeah. to see huge sprint leadouts into the first climb, and then the second climb, Alaphilippe's going after Dries Davenines has been pacing super hard. Like, I... <laughs> Yumbo weren't pacing into the base the first climb, and I was like, it's 50Ks to go? Yeah. Like, it's a 5% climb, the first one, and then the second one, there's 36Ks to go. You're going to burn your whole team, and no one's going to work. Like, who's going to work with Alaphilippe, really, afterwards either? No one. No one would yeah. work with Alaphilippe, and definitely not because if someone comes to Alaphilippe, it's likely going to be isolated riders without domestiques there. So yeah, it won't. we s agreed, but not. It depends on whether he's got the other guys from Yambo yeah. there and so forth. But anyway, let's get to that third last climb. Quickstep lines it up. They're on the climb. One by one, their riders drop, and Alaphilippe launches it. And it's the exact same attack we saw last year. On the Belante climb, the early Belante climb, where you're like, if Alaphilippe keeps his energy for his last climb, he's got a chance of winning the stage. So I never understood why Alaphilippe or Quickstep made this decision. Is it making the race hard? But if people are dropping there already, like Abinyam was dropping and Alaphilippe was dropping, then they're uh, not in Alaphilippe, uh, no, Abinyam no. and Van der Poel, I mean. Those two are going to drop again on the next two climbs then. Let's be honest about it. But Alaphilippe made that move, and there were some responses that were meaningful. Simmons tried to follow, but the entire race, it looks like Simmons is working for Ciccone right here. I think so. Unfortunately, frequent Simmons, um, <laughs> that movement continues. But yeah, I mean, actually, it, it is rational for him to work for Ciccone, yeah. unfortunately. Um, but don't tell Trek that, because Ciccone won on a 7% finish in Valenciana. But yeah, it, WoW jumped following Yates. Yates always has been good in Italian circuit. I mean, behind Roglic on Superga in Milano. What's that fucking race called, Benji? Torino. 
Milano Torino when it does. Well, they keep changing the parkour. It's a flat. It's a flat one this yes. year. So that's why I got. I drew a mental blank. Um, great in Lombardia, great in Montreal. He's in this. He's always in big ring. His upper body's not moving. Wow, look good though. And I was like, yeah. While contesting the sprint yesterday, I was like, eh, what does that really mean? He can do that even if he's at eighty percent. But following yeah. Yates and Alphilippe attacking here, I was like, okay, he's he's looking a bit sharper. And we had Gaps Benji and Ineos who had taken control. Remember, we had Kwiatkowski pacing a lot for this stage. And when Honor attacked, Ineos were all over the place. I couldn't see Pidcock, Chef in the white jersey gone. Ganna was actually the best, the best one of them. Yeah. He was like in like third position for most of that climb, which is crazy. Obviously, he wasn't the first one to respond to the move of Alaphilippe, nor should he. He should try and follow other people and benefit from others. That will bring him back eventually because the rest of the groups returned over the top and, let's be honest, just over the top. And because the group became larger, Fanat came to the front because a few Umbo riders were in there, but he never really pushed really hard into the descent. No, I didn't pedal. And then I saw the man, the myth, the legend, the Portuguese <laughs> rocket fly down in the descent past a stalling peloton and I was like this is now a demon descender <laughs> after his descending it. issues last year Joao Almeida is back boy Davo <laughs> <laughs> Dilly he's the new like he was yeah flying it was a straight line we will clarify it was a straight line the peloton line. was breaking but <laughs> yeah Vol I actually think the Volta Volta is a very good descender I think yeah um, and a mountain good bike handler race. yeah allegedly um, I keep forgetting they did mountain biking. Um, <laughs> Yumbo were happy to keep riders together. Roglic seemed to slip back. He wasn't responding. Wout was responding initially on this climb. I, I didn't know who they were going to go for in the finish. Um, Roglic with his unshaved legs or Wout, who's supposedly not in good shape. Group or just swells. Pardon? Wilco. I, know, I mean, <laughs> this is a Dutch team with a Dutch rider. <laughs> Wilco Kelderman in great shape, and they're not letting Wilco go. Well, no, Wilco was allowed to go to the stage, but anyway, we'll get to that. Uh, free, uh, you know, I've got a big soft spot for Wilco. Um, I know Luke, our producer, wanted <laughs> wanted them to go for Wilco. Um, anyway, group just swells, swells, swells. FDJ take it up on the the next climb with Pache. I think Legac may be pacing. Um, yep. Kirby said Gak attack, but it might have been Pacher afterwards as well. Pacher's pace yep. was very hard. He had it strung out. We saw Volta with Van Aert. I couldn't really see Roglic's slip back in the group. Uh, Benoit and Van Bala were sort of gone at this point. We had, of course, Victor Lefay always in good position for Cofidis. Not so young, talented French rider on Cofidis. Um, he was very, very good. Yates in good position. So UAE had... McNulty and Ben and Co. looking a little, and Almeida just always a little bit deeper. Yates looked sharp. Ineos though, Benji. Aaronsman just struggling. Like, and Pidcock yeah. almost, Pidcock fully drops here on the FTJ pacing, right? Yes, exactly. Pidcock off the back. He didn't look like he was like completely dead. I believe that Pidcock probably isn't taking this terreno overly serious. But then again, this morning, he said that he was going to go for the stage. So. I still think he probably just felt, I'm not going to be able to do anything here. Vanderpool was already off the back once again. Binyam already off the back once again, so they could make a bit of a companionship behind and try and get back to the front after this climb, if possible. But I do want to talk about what happens in the front group a bit more, because we don't get that all-out attack on this second-last climb. It's more that 
people are just pacing, it's become a bit harder. And we even see Simmons pacing for Ciccone while Pacher was done working for Madua. So it was clear then that Simmons was not going to win the stage, unlike what I predicted yesterday. I could have actually he could realized have that yesterday, that Ciccone he should would have, have been the leader. He should have won. <laughs> nah. <laughs> he couldn't even close Alaphilippe in the first place. <laughs> oh, Alaphilippe spent a <laughs> big attack. Um, but hey, I agree. Were you not? Yeah. Su I was surprised. Like, even on the descent, maybe Yumbo were marshalling things, and it's there wasn't an opportunity, and Yumbo had numbers with Benoit coming back, and Keldman and Roglic and Van Aert there, and Ineos kind of weren't there to play numbers. But yeah, I I expected moves to go at least on the descent to try and get ahead because you don't really unless you're maybe a, a very short list of five or six riders, you don't want to go to this finish with Roglic or Van Aert. And of course, I'm not putting someone like Enric Mas in that category. He is riding to defend GC and do his best, but those in between, even Kofidis Benji sending a rider ahead to at least make Yumbo not set up their train, which they did. Exactly. And the question there is, Attila Walter was one of the riders that did most of the work on the flat for Yumbo Visma, next to Kun Bauman as well in this yeah, race. Bauman. Were you surprised that Walter was used on the flat as much? I would have put Benoit to pace on the flat because Walter looked much, much stronger to me on the penultimate climb. Um, and based on, uh, Walter just looked good. Um, he looked sharp with Van Aert and Benoit was slipping a little bit. Wilco's obviously riding for his own GC as well. He's not, yeah, him and Roglic kind of riding for their own GC, which I think is yeah. a good idea with. Roglic not maybe on top shape ahead of the amount top finish. But yeah, before we get to the final climb, where we do have most of the riders, Benji, you've been racing again. You're on what, like a three-day streak of Zwift racing? Against, I'm on a three-day streak. I'm on a three-day streak, and the app that I'm using keeps telling me that I need to do recovery rides from this point onwards, but I'm going to keep ignoring it. <laughs> I'm going to keep ignoring it. Zwift races every day until I die. Now, probably not that long, but until I feel like my legs can't handle it anymore. But yeah, it started off really badly. I, I said it yesterday on yesterday's podcast that I was lost on my first stage. Then I got better for the second stage and I've actually got a good result on my third stage. I also broke records, as in I broke my 30-minute power and my 20-minute power during these races. So it's really interesting because then you do like an all-out FTP test on Zwift and you give everything in it and then you get like a certain number FTP, but then you go into a race format and you feel like you could have like gone a bit faster at certain parts in the race because you were like keeping some energy back for when the other group caught up and so forth but then you still break your 20 minute record and so forth because the competition kind of gives you adrenaline yeah. to try and catch every rider that goes and so forth so anyway i've been having fun and hopefully by the end of this decade i can win a race <laughs> so what you're saying is Zwift needs to insert a mark matteo audio feature into the fdp yeah. test which you can do or vamos so yeah, Chente or Mark Mario, you can choose. I don't know who would be the Anglophone version of those guys, because um, Grisha oh. would. Grisha's not Grisha's not native Anglophone. Uh, the German DSC Yumbo, but he'd probably be like, "Good job, Benji." <laughs> he'd be too quiet. Um, <laughs> you need. I'm trying to think. Maybe we'll have someone say, "Who's the craziest you. Anglophone?" Probably me. I'm the craziest <laughs> Anglophone that could shout at you. On Zwift, maybe <laughs> insert that feature. That'd be cool. Anyway, cool to see you racing on it. I just cruised this morning, just burning some cows, had a good time. 
on Watopia. Anyway, back to Torreno Adriatico. We had Peacock moving up. He started riding as a domestique or like pulling to position uh, Time and Aaronsman and Ghana in the group. We had Jumbo Visma with a their whole team back together to the left-hand side of Ineos in the flat run-in. And we basically see this is Bowman pulls off. Well, yeah. I think Bowman made a little bit of a mistake here. The trains of, I can't remember the team on the left, they swamp him a little bit. And Volta's trying to move up to get past Bowman. And then Ineos is on the right-hand side. And Bowman kind of didn't slide back, I would say, gracefully um, or clearly. Like he was still trying to get the draft a little bit. Rather than when a sprint mm -hmm. lead out, they just pull up stumps and they just go. He was still kind of taking a position. Yeah. And then Volta moves past him. Wout van Aert goes to move past Bowman, who's on his left-hand side. And Pidcock's also sliding back a little bit because he's yep. finished his lead out. And Wout shoots the gap, tries to counterbalance against Pidcock. I think hooks Pidcock's bars or they hook bars or something and takes, they go down, slide out, which was really sucks to see ahead of Milano San Remo. And also they've been preparing, you know, all of winter for the spring classics so you're hoping nothing's gone too badly wrong thankfully they both bounce up Fanart goes over to say sorry to Pidcock and um Pidcock doesn't seem too perturbed and I think they're both okay Benji just skin off and bruises but well it's just do weird. we know that for certain because on the final climb they were still riding together and Pidcock dropped Fanart on the final climb did he? he did Ooh, is it mental psychology warfare <laughs> you always got to do that yeah I think <laughs> um, I don't know. It's it's a racing incident, but also I think it's just it's sometimes weird in these like it's a sprint leadout setup, but it's not a sprint leadout because it's like climbing boys going for like into a climb, and then I think wow, yeah, shoots a gap that was a little bit too small, and unfortunately, and then Pidcock was also moving over. It was just it sucks. I don't want to be I don't wanna be like so, you know super dangerous from X Rider on this incident. I feel like I've got a slightly different interpretation of what happened than you do. As in, when Pitcock was moving back, he was already behind Fanart in my head. Like, right on the right behind yeah. Fanart when it happened. And it's like the Yumble Rider on the left of Fanart seems to have gone to the right yeah. as a consequence of something happening there. And that's why Fanart got squeezed between Pitcock and yeah. that random Yumble Rider. So, I don't know. I'm not blaming anyone. I don't know what happened to the other Yumble Rider. I completely forgot about it. But I think that's the reason that it happened. And it's not, it looked like Fanart could have held it up at some point. Like I thought he was going to hold it up. It looked we, like I that. I thought he was going until, to, yeah. Oh, he but then gone. he slides out. Anyway, no one else seemed to go down, thankfully. And hopefully both seem to be okay. Yeah. And they'll be unaffected for the race that's come. Anyway, the, the big question now was, what the hell are Yamu Vizma going to do? Like, they've had Wout go down, who was going to be their big chance for the stage. And I actually didn't know. I was like... Because if Roglic's form is as bad as he says it's been or whatever, then, you know, they've worked all this stage yep. for nothing and Volta's been pulling and not been able to go up with moves. Anyway, they get to the base of the climb. A rider, who attacked Benji? First of all, we had like Movistar pacing for a bit into the climb, it seemed Oliveric, like. And then oh. we saw an attack by Vermeer when the footage was not on the front because for some reason it kept showing the back of the peloton and Vanard and Pitcock and so forth while this was all happening. But Movistar pacing, Vermeer's attacking from behind him. 
And this is the first time we see Attila Valtor also doing something on this specific line. Countering that attack, not taking over. So basically, the move that he's just sitting on everybody that has attacks, while another Yumbo Rider is closing it down. Plazov also responded to that same move. Binyam tried to bridge. But in the end, the Yumbo Rider that was closing down that move was Primoz Roglic. And I was yeah. really surprised by that. I wasn't surprised. Um, if you watched the Poggio on, in Milano Sanremo last year, unfortunately. Um, but maybe because Volta's in the National Champs jersey, he didn't realize he was on his team. I would like to see, because the way this stage played out, we will not have the same level of discourse about... Uh, you remember last week at Strade when, when Volta didn't bring anyone back with him? Yep. In this case, Roglic literally did bring people back and he yep. should be sitting in the wheels and letting others close Volta because Volta looked really, really strong and that's a is good it? position. Because Vlasov is in that group. No, Volta was virtually dropping Vlasov off the wheel. Yeah, well, Vlasov true. was like, fuck, I'm, too f I'm spending too much here too early. Um, and like, yeah, I've, and this is early in the climb. There's enough time for Volta to finesse later. So yeah, Volta looking really good. Eventually that gets brought back. And then Volta just goes to the front and starts pacing after um, Lefay counterattacks. Yeah. Were you surprised to see Lefay? Because this ain't Arctic race of Norway. Like <laughs> you can't, you're not just going to get away on a climb like this, 3K, 7%. I don't know. It's kind of like the Alaphilippe move. He's spending his bickies a little bit too early. And although... Maybe he gets away if Volta is if Volta's done, and then all the other favorites look at each other. Who else was going to bring it back, Benji? Because Ineos was thin on the ground. UAE are not going to designate a leader. So if Volta goes, you're really up to like an Oliveira at a pace. Yeah, exactly. And it's quite intriguing because a Lafay attack at this point, I find it a good move because I don't believe that Lafay maybe in his head has the idea that he can beat the likes of uh, whoever's sprinting at the end of this stage. I don't think Lafay believes that in his head that he can do that. So the next best thing is attacking early and hoping that no one paces. But Valtteri has been closing down everything that happens, so they clearly have a plan to keep on doing that. But Lafay doesn't know how strong Valtteri is. And as you say, if Valtteri's gone, who's going to take over? Is it going to be another Yambo rider? Will Kelderman ride for Roglic or Roglic for Kelderman? We don't, don't know that. So. I doubt it. They're going to look at each other. So it would be to other teams like you mentioned. But Valtteri keeps on pacing, keeps on pacing, keeps on pacing. Catches, catches Lafay in the process. Fortunato attacks, that's the next one. Hausen closing that down. Following that, we've got two guys for a bit. Looks like Hausen was the strongest of the two. This is, yeah. the f one, this is one of the first time I actually noticed Hausen in a race outside of the Down Under. <laughs> you didn't watch Harold Sun Tour 2020? No. <laughs> Mate, Jay Vine, Jai Hindley, Seb Berwick, unreal. Like, uh, <laughs> the scouting in that race, unbelievable. Um... Yeah, well, he got to attack, and Volta was strong again. I mean, Volta was, yeah, <laughs> shutting it down. I was, then we were thinking, okay, Roglic sprint, right? Or yeah. I, I expected what happened to happen, though, because when Hausen was brought back, Kelderman did this on in uh, Budapest last year, or in Hungary, in the Giro. He attacked with about 1k to go on that finish where Ewan crashed and Vanderpool beat Binny, which is a little bit easier than this, but... Keldman goes with 1k to go. Mars closes it. Car Hugh Carthy's back, Benji. He is back. Yes. Huge is on. He attacked. He, he was there in the top five when Van Aert and Alaphilippe went, I think, on the third last. And then he... Strong attack. He's not winning the sprint. Gegenhardt kind of ruins his race here, I think. 
he prolied us by responding to yeah. Coffee that late because we're not He's talking not about three k to go. It's with one point one ish k to go. That's in, it's in one k last kilometer. It's with seven hundred meters to go that this yeah. is happening. So he's closing it down for other people, basically. And then you then you ask yourself, is he doing it for himself, or is there an Ineos rider set in the group? And no, because Adamsman is dropping at the moment. Adamsman yeah. is being dropped at this very moment. Sheffield is probably back in Narnia, like you would say. Yeah. So it was all up to him, unless they are protecting Gana's GC, but he was dropped as well. So Gegenhard was spending his own energy for himself there and tried to benefit from that. And I do believe this is kind of in the same way that Mohoric blew his energy chasing Mervon Hoidonk yeah. uh, as attack in Kuna Wrestle Kuna. But then again, who else was going to close it? If he doesn't do it, someone else might have. Yeah, you don't know that. There's more people here to close it than there was in Kuna Wrestle Kuna in that situation, though. I think someone so, else closes it. And he, I think so as well. I think, he, I think he spent his race here and he could have won this stage. Gagan Hart won in Valenciana in a hard uphill finish. He's actually very, very good at these. He nearly won in Dauphiné. I've mentioned a few times when Valverde won the stage in 2021, stage six maybe. He, he is really good at these finishes. But yeah, he's in the wind because Hugh was so strong. He's in the wind for a long time. Roglic is in the wheel. Kelderman's in the wheel. And then Roglic goes early. And this is a slight difference to what I've normally seen before, he attacks on, the, it's like 9-10% here, and he goes, and I thought Benji, oh, he's gone way too early, he's got Alphilippe in the wheel, got Lefay in the wheel, uh, what's his name, Mars, Almeida, Vlasov, Yates, I've already said, probably Ricardo, the, Simon Felipe's in Paris. I thought he was going <laughs> to keep going the whole time, and he, he was in, I'm Primoz Roglic, I'm going to burn everyone off my wheel, and there's nothing they can do about it. There's two scenarios that can happen here, eh? three scenarios either he goes all out from that point either he goes all out and completely boinks bonks boinks bonks boinks <laughs> boink is sounding a little bit different <laughs> i have no clue what that word means by the way so don't take it out You're of context now. <laughs> oh god <laughs> <laughs> anyway and the other scenario is that fish from star wars saying it's a trap for everybody else because roglic is doing a first attack everybody gets triggered by it to try and go over him and then he goes again from their wheel. I think, and it was a good understanding of the parkour because as it, it levels off and he stops pulling and I thought, oh, because we've also seen the same thing, Benji, in the Tour de France last year when he crashed and when he let out Pagacha, he did like a meme attack and led Pagacha out and yep. then got destroyed. I was like, we don't know his shape. It might, the same thing might happen here. It doesn't. And he baits everyone completely. They then lead him out. Lefay, he slots into about third wheel ahead of Alaphilippe, who's still a danger in this stage. And then he kicks again in the finish with his like, yeah, he just dropped Alaphilippe straight off the wheel, frankly, yep. and wins the stage comfortably. It was probably some of the best decision-making I've seen from Roglic in the last kilometer of a stage, the way he played this. Yep. Um, maybe earlier in the climb, there were some mistakes made. Wilco, very, very strong, but the... The actual results, Alphilippe second, Adam Yates third, Wilco fourth, Gagenhart fifth, Mars sixth, Lefay seventh, Almeida eighth, Vlasov ninth, Carthy tenth. I thought Hindley, I don't know, I'll, Hindley actually I was thinking might do well on this stage. Uh, Benoit finishes with that group though, Benji. So is he? So does Aramburu. Sorry. Did he? He did. He on, the last rider. <laughs> He probably pays from Mars, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> the thing is, though, you know who wins this sprint if he was here? 
and probably takes time. I gotcha. Yeah, hundred percent. Like last year in Belante. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what we do know for certain is Roglic ain't in. He ain't in no shape. You got, yeah. like he still toweled everyone here, Benji, and he pulled back the Volta group. Um, like he's still in very very good shape, and he's got to be taken seriously for GC now. For certain, perfect work by Valtering, closing down every attack and sitting on attacks that happen and so forth. But in the end, Roglic was strong enough to deliver this. And it looked relatively easy how he beat the others who came second and third at the end. It's not with a gap like crazy, but it looked with relative ease. That being said, Alaphilippe second. Could he have won if he didn't do that attack early on two climbs ago? Maybe not. But it still makes you wonder how close he could have gotten, right? It does. And also, what if they don't spend their team that way quick step? Yep. What if they let Ineos control the race? Yumbo weren't looking like they wanted to open this race up. They were going to do a sprint lead out for Wout Van Aert. Now maybe, you know, sliding doors moment, then Wout doesn't crash, whatever, he still wins. Okay, the point is, as Benny's saying, what if they had three Stevenines fresher to do that lead out and keep Alaphilippe in good position and he's got fresher legs? Then it's a little bit different. I will say, Ineos, I think, quite disappointing today. Um, Aaronsman shouldn't be losing that quantity of time on a finish like this. But Always. I know. That's right. Like, it's a lot of time. You know what I mean? He, like, he's not just, like, it's a lot of time. What was it? Bologna? Last year? 40 seconds, Benji. Yeah. 40 seconds. 39 seconds or 40 seconds, whatever. It's, it's enough time to lose, eh? Let's be honest about it. It's quite a lot of time on a climb like this. And it's a habit for Ardensmann to lose this on these kind of finishes. Because if I recall correctly, if we look at 2022 in Bologna, for example, the the stage where he lost time was the uphill finish. Um, that was also similar in that it was a punchy finish like today. Now, I also recall that in the Vuelta, he lost time on a similar finish. So we're looking at a, at a pattern here when it comes to Tamin Ardensman that in like the longer mountain stages, a diesel formation that he is, he has less trouble. But when it comes to like the, the shorter finishes that he would say, Mur de Bretagne, he would lose time. Yep. And some guys are like that. They just, I don't know. Often I thought like, right, like Hindley would struggle on them or Carthy actually previously, yep. like Carthy would really struggle on, on these finishes too. I think Benoit's going for GC here, Benji. Benoit is going, nah. Get out I think here. he's going for GC. He stayed with the group. He didn't do any pulls. He's currently 16th on GC, 41 seconds behind uh, Leonard Kamner, who's still in the GC lead. Goat, shout out Leonard. I think Benoit is going to ride for GC here. He shouldn't. In my opinion. Uh, <laughs> Roglic is up there. Kelderman is up there. Are, are they going to bet on three horses now? Sorry, but at that point, you might as well have Attila Walter going for GC as well next to them. Should've. Where did Walter finish? Probably pretty far. He, he so parked the bus. He I, don't want to talk, I don't want to talk about it. McNulty. He also... Parked up as a tiny bit, 12 seconds behind, which he, means he's that... one like Aaronsman. It's like, yep. they, yeah, you, and this is why being a GC rider is so hard. Like, you cannot have an off day. You cannot, even on a race stage like this where you shouldn't be losing a lot of time, it's where, like, Enric Mars, okay, he's not going to win the stage, but he damn sure makes his, sure he's up there, not losing time, lives to fight another day. And the thing with Minolti is, it actually matters that he loses time. Because the free fall is still happening, the Hunger Games at UAE is still on, and it's a switch in the tables now because Almeida is now the king in the classification. 
8 seconds behind, while McNulty is on 13 seconds. And who else is here? Adam Yates is here as well, right? Where is he these days? He's on 41 seconds, so... Almeida, it's coming. You think? Yeah. Long climb. Yeah. Well, he's going to drop first and then come back. Yeah, yeah. He'll be back there. <laughs> it's better. It's the longer the better because then he has time to come back. Do you think... I don't know. Volter is almost looking too good not to take to the Giro as a domestique yeah. <laughs> at the moment. But then he's also... Yumbo, what else are they going to send to the Ardennes if he doesn't do the Ardennes where he's looking good enough to be a genuine threat? Anyway, that's enough on Yumbo Visma. Tomorrow's no. stage is it's not. They've got armpit sponsors on the podium. Wait, what? Yeah. Roglic was putting his hands in the air and there were armpit sponsors. So no they shot. sold a sponsor because they're winning so much that they could sell an armpit sponsor. <laughs> Let me check this out. It's, I'm not joking. That is actually the case. Jumbo Visma has armpit sponsors on the podium. I'm just saying it now. This is mad. Look, <laughs> I. That is mad. <laughs> Such a flex. <laughs> Don't know how I feel about that. Actually, is it only on the podium? Probably. What? What? what unless? Well, Benoit no, in Strade. That's why Benoit was complaining about Walter in Strade. To show the it's, armpit sponsor. Is it? I'm trying to look. They, there's not a good angle of Roglic post up um, <laughs> when he finished. I, d oh, I can't see. It might not be there. So, yeah, maybe it's a special podium jersey. I mean, that's mad. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> armpit sponsor. What is going on? Um, tomorrow's stage, the big mountaintop finish up Sassoteto on a Friday, which is like... Quite surprising to me that they didn't want to have this on the weekend. 168 kilometers. It's a hard stage, Benji. This is up and down all day. They're going to spend a lot of calories before this finish. 13K, 7.3%. Let me look. It's pretty hard. It's got 2Ks at 9.5%, then a 7% K, then another 9% K. It's not an easy climb, actually. The, it's harder than the... It's not fake news. It's not fake news, but it's pretty difficult. I think... Adam Ricardo is going to be on, and I think Adam Ricardo launches with 7Ks done with about 6Ks to go on this. I think so as well. I think Ricardo will go pretty early on this stage, and I think he wins the stage UAE style. Am I underrating the other competition? Ah, Mas. Enrico Mas. Enrico Tienen against Enrique. I was talking I Dutch for Enrico Tienen muy, muy bien <laughs> piernas. I thought he was saying he has really good legs in Spanish. That's Spanish, by the way, Benji. I was talking Dutch. Against oh, well, no, Dagen. I understood that, of course, yeah. So, <laughs> we've got Ricardo against Enrique. I think Mass in good shape. Huge is going to go. I think Huge is going to look strong, but it cost himself. Um, Hugh Carthy, I think he's in very, very good shape, and the longer climb suits him. It's going to be a good battle. We've got, as you said, Benji, the troop of UAE guys, Almeida, and to be honest, Ricardo and Almeida is a really nice pairing with the attacker, yep. and then Almeida should sit in the guy's wheels behind chasing uh yates we've got mass as you said landy landa we all believe no nah. you know <laughs> except for benji nah. where's canada finishing on this seventh on 30 on on one minute and 17 seconds wow you're expecting big gaps then yeah it is a not? hard stage before <laughs> how did bora play camner hinley and vlasov i think what you do is 
you have Hinley or Vlasov go with Yates if they can. Refuse to relay because you've got Leonard behind. That's the strat, right? Yeah, I think so yeah. as well. I trust. Is it weird that I trust Kemna more on this climb than I do Vlasov? Um, probably. <laughs> it depends. It's like Leonard has the talent, and like, yeah, we all know Leonard is so good. It's just whether he's. I mean, he's going to go for GC full gas because he's in the leader's jersey. I think it's going to be a really interesting finish. I will be keen to see. I mean, no one's going to want to go to the finish with Roglic after the sprint today, but I want to see how his long climbing is. I think this Adam Yates with the better preparation might be a little bit sharper, but that's one to watch tomorrow uh, in Toronto. Any last thoughts on this stage, Benji? Not really. It was a good stage, but I feel like stage six is going to be the, the best one of this Tirreno. I'm looking forward to it. Castelfidardo 2.0 is coming. Even without rain, somebody's going to go early on those climbs. They have to. So... McNulty. Yeah, it's happening on Saturday. McNulty going to go early, I think. Anyway, that was Torino. It was the best of the two to watch. I'd really encourage everyone to maybe watch the last. Just the last climb was super interesting. Um, Paranese Benji, much less interesting. 212 kilometers. I think the organizers made a mistake here. Okay. I think, and again, I've overestimated how difficult it would be, thinking, well, no, actually, you were with me yesterday. You thought there'd be a decent break on this. Um, you are uh, convinced you thought Court would get in there? I trusted Court, but apparently he doesn't want to. Instead, we've surprised. got Gregard for the 75th time in the breakaway in the Sparanees <laughs> and once <laughs> again tough. taking all the KOM points with his teammates Carson pacing for him. So exactly the same scenario. And then the break gets called with 80k to go. So the Peloton installs and then we're stuck there waiting and sleeping until we get to an intermediate sprint where action actually happens. But it's some but cool I'll just explain the parkour the for why sprint. that happened, Benji, and why I think okay. that the organizer made a mistake. You have this 213k stage, really, really long. You do have really nice climbs at the start in the first 50k's to form a strong break. But then there's this, from 50k's, there's 100, and, 100 kilometers of flat with no crosswinds. Yep. And then two shallow, big green climbs, 3.5k's 5%, 4.6k's 5%. But they're also about 30 kilometers and 40, 60, 50 kilometers from the finish. They really. They either needed to have those climbs a bit closer to the finish yep. or they needed to have a little bit more climbing in the middle of this stage because I think what really happened is someone like Court looked at this and was like, fuck, am I really going to do 100Ks of flat in the middle of this stage with maybe like, yeah. So that's what happened and it was a bit of a shame because, yeah, this was a snoozer and I think they could have made it a little bit more balanced. We've already had two sprints and I don't like hoping that crosswinds will make the stage exciting. We said that about the Danish, the famous bridge stage uh, last year. Um, but if you want to get the best valued trainer on the market, the Zwift Hub is $4.99. Go to Zwift.com through the link down below. You can both jump in, jump onto Zwift and get a free seven-day trial. But if you don't have the trainer, you can also get the Zwift Hub, which is, yeah, getting a lot of praise throughout the industry the best value direct drive trainer gone to the four figure days of getting a trainer 499 jump in jump onto zwift with the trainer easy does it all right benji the intermediate right. sprint pogacar let's talk about it he wasn't happy run us through it so pogacar indeed was not happy after today's intermediate sprint and it goes back to how it started you've got two teams that want something out of this perhaps three teams if you consider Jumbo Visma a team that should still fight for this intermediate sprint, considering Vingegaard lost significant amount of time on the last mountaintop finish. 
Now, the two teams that were fighting, plus Jorgensen, Jorgensen from Movistar, were the Mars team with Godu and Pogachar. Now, the Mars sprinting together with Godu, we know that they've had a bit of a troublesome history, as in Godu might have like discussed a private quarrel with Demar openly in a in a chat lobby at some point this year and <laughs> it's not that great the, the relationship didn't want there. Demar to go to the TDF yeah Cliff knows that's a summary Gadu said why are we sending um you know he's gonna need the whole team to take him around France he's gonna you know maybe finish outside the time limit or well, everyone on me my GC I came fourth last year and apparently Demar doesn't get in the lift with Gadu that's the cliff notes of the beef <laughs> thank you for the cliff notes of the beef but this intermediate sprint started and Pogacar knows that if Demar's right there next to him with Godou on the other side next to him, he knows that Demar is also going to try and sprint and beat him at the intermediate sprint. But Demar opened up relatively early going into this yeah, intermediate sprint. He jumped him. Yeah, with Jorgensen on the other side of the, of the road also jumping relatively early. Yep. So two riders jumping early on paper, you'd say. Pretty good lead out for uh, Godou and for Pogacar, right? But it's a limited road, so... There was position maybe on the left side of Jorgensen, and at that point, there's still a gap on the right of Demar, in my personal opinion. And Pogacar says, I'm going to go on the right side of Demar, because if I have to go left, I need to either try and squeeze in between Demar and Jorgensen, or try and go the long way around the round. Because it's a right bend. Exactly. So Pogacar chooses to uh, go for the gap that at that point exists next to Demar, and when he's going past him, Demar is already closing the door. As in, the question now is, did Demar close the door when Pogacar was next to him or when he was coming up? From the front view, Demar looked back, saw Pogacar coming, and goes to the side, in my opinion. Yep, and oh, we'll run through, yeah, what, like what we saw on screen. And then Pogacar has to stop. There's no space. And he's blocked. Gadu then comes through the left-hand side. Jorgensen had gone too early, and Gadu's able to take the six bonus seconds. Demar gently breaks or stops pedaling, yep. and he rolls through for four seconds. Pog only takes two, and we see afterwards Pog, he turns around, he looks at Demar, he definitely says something to him. I don't know <laughs> if in French, because in Pogacar's mother, she's a French teacher, but he says he doesn't speak French. Maybe he knows uh, a word or two in French. He wasn't happy, that's clear, uh, with Demar. And the question is, as you said, Benji, uh, Damar, he knows what he's doing here. I actually really, I know, I'm, I know we are the sprint deviation police. I really don't have much of a problem with what Damar did because his movement, first of all, it's around a right-hand bend. The gap is very small when Pagatch wants to jump into it. Jumping into a gap on the inside of a right-hand bend when someone's already sprinting and they're not far from the, the, the edge of the road is already a risk in itself. Mm -hmm. And Demar's movement to me is within the bounds of somebody sprinting, that they have to be allowed some lateral movement, that it's you can't do anything about it. And it's almost like Pogs just dived into a space that was always going to get closed. And I know that's... I know Demar knew what he was doing as well. So yeah, that's the thing for me. Yeah. Demar looks back and sees Pogacar coming and then moves more to the right. And that's the factor for me that changes a lot here. Obviously, intent doesn't matter when it comes to the rules. It says if you go off your lane and endanger someone, yeah. there's also a rule that says obstruct, but if we start applying that to most sprints, that would be in, in real <laughs> trouble here. 
would be the obstruction police. <laughs> but when it comes to endangerment, it's on the Brinke. I'd say that the only reason that Pogacar wasn't endangered is because he chooses to break there. Yeah. To me, I, I, really, I really think the, the gap was already pretty much closed as he's jumping into it. Mm. And <laughs> I, 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 re I really think there wasn't that much space there. And he knew he was taking a risk. He wants to go the shortest way around. Demar's also pulling off after his lead out, opening up the space for Gadu. We do see lead outs. They have to move off somewhere. I think, and Pogacar's, his mask slips a little bit after the intermediate sprint, like it did after RVV last year, when he had a few words to say to Demar and then Van Bala last year, but then he goes back to, I think, the interview after the stage. I haven't listened to it yet, but I, I hope they asked him about it. Um, maybe Luke can bring that up if he sees that, and we can talk about it in a second. But yeah, I think... This is not, to me, in the same realms as Quickstep Balwaza Benji. Yeah. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> that was that was next level trying to block someone with the real danger of crashing them out. While here, that danger is not 100% there. There's a factor that's an uphill sprint. Maybe that does something, lower speed and so forth. In my head, that shouldn't have the biggest influence either. But it does change the factor. I would say that UCI would never do something about this. And no, no, no. I don't mind necessarily. But it's a cheeky move and a bit sketchy in my book. And the question is, let's say that it would be penalized. Godu wouldn't get penalized anyway, so it wouldn't exactly. matter too much. It would only potentially give two more seconds to Pogacar if they scrapped Demar from there. That's the thing. You, you apply the sanction to Demar. Godu gets away scot-free. That was the problem with... Because Schmidt in Valwaza, he didn't really do anything wrong. Yeah. But it was his quick-step teammates last year. And so there's... That's the problem with it. I do think the really big thing is um, Gudu takes six seconds or four seconds, and he's gone from 10 seconds to six seconds. And so Luke said Pagacha put the blame on himself. He said it, he says he should have gone via the, the other way. He did note that Damar saw him and closed him. So kind of what <laughs> we were saying, like he knew that it was a risk that it might happen. Demar knew what he was doing and he what was going to happen. Everyone knew what was going to happen. Pagash tried his luck, but he also was like, yeah, but he also closed me. So, I mean, yeah, it is what it is. Um, yep. But Gadu's a real threat for GC, I think, Benji. Anyway, we'll continue nah. on with the stage. We've spoken a lot about this because the rest of the stage, was, there's nothing really to talk about. We come into the sprint <laughs> finish. We've got Malia. We've got... Is Gronovegan here in Toronto? I'm not sure. Uh, we have... No, he's not here. I just made that up. You know, for Christoph or something? I don't know. Christoph for you. Yeah. Varen Skold and Christoph are here after they won in Algarve. Uh, Koi is here with Afini, Pedersen, all the same guys. No one's really been dropped or put under too much pressure. The furniture, though, Benji, the road furniture in this running was next level in the last three Ks. When he said furniture, I was thinking, there's a random chair on the road, but no, <laughs> traffic. <laughs> there's a Malia the other day in the interview <laughs> before the stage. He was talking about, you know, um, oh, I love Malia's interviews. They said, Hey, how's how you see that? Uh, not bad, huh? Couple of wins, not bad. Oh, no, he's, he's Russian. Sorry, he's sorry. Like, uh, As a West Flemish person, I feel bad about what you're doing, man. <laughs> I'm offended. <laughs> no, I, I like Malik because it's not just, it's just that he doesn't give a fuck. He's like, I'm here to win races. He's just like, yeah, like, I'm flying. I'm winning races. And I'm like, yeah, yeah you are, Malik. And he's like, ah, the, the things in the road, there'll be a lot of them. Um, 
anyway, there was a, so much road furniture. Um, I apologize. Do you, does West Flanders have its own like regional monarchy or is it? Yeah, we are a monarchy. Flanders? West Flanders is a monarchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe I'm not. I'm not going to Google that. No one Google that. Um, <laughs> Pedersen Benji Kish has done an unbelievable job for him this week, and I think what we've seen is two things: the Lotto train has not been able to get it together no. at all, and this is their real train. This isn't Quickstep's best train. This isn't Yumbo or Trek's best train. The Lotto train can't get it together, and I also think. Well, actually, Quick Step Benji, they're trying to make it work with Van Leeberger, with um, who else is here? Lampard, Cavagna, yep. De Klerk. It's not been good either for Merlier, I would say. Yeah, hasn't been amazing. Van Leeberger has been doing better leadouts this year than he did in the past for me, I would say. Not, not for me, but for the riders that he's leading out. But in my opinion, he's been doing better leadouts. But it's not consistent every single day, so that makes you wonder... Is it the third rider that can't get Van Lerberg in that same position these days? Seneschal has been that role, if I recall correctly. He was seen every single sprint, but I didn't really see the lead out necessarily behind no. him every single time. Well, is Seneschal at this race or is it today? No, am, I, am I mixing it around again? Seneschal's here. Wait, you're right. I'm so confused. I'm so confused. Anyway, it might not the team be that fault. was. I think Malia sometimes hangs out mid-pack and on some stages just doesn't move up. I don't know. I happened the other day. Seneschal tried to bring him forward. Anyway, the road furniture, if you were not in first few wheels, you are really going to struggle to win this sprint. Yep. And we see Koi in good position once again. Who was one of the Swifts attack? First, I thought it was Tarling. Then I thought it was Connor Swift. Was it Ben Swift attacking? I have absolutely no clue who the Ineos rider was that attacked. I have in my notes Ineos pacing, Ineos attack. It was a Swift. It was a Swifty, Swifty, Swifty tried to pull a Swift. Um, I think it was. I think it was Ben Swift. I'm going to go smaller. with Connor. That will mean for sure it was Connor Swift. <laughs> that gets brought back by Afini. Afini, one-man army lead out today, but Coy's not on his wheel. Yeah, Coy has gone onto Pedersen's wheel, and then Afini brings back the Ineos guy that tried to finesse her attack, and then Pedersen goes early, Benji, and Pedersen's one sprints early. He likes to launch and make it a 20-second sprint sometimes. Yep. Coy's in the wheel. It looked a little uphill to me. Or like a little bit draggy at one yeah. point. And the other day, Koi couldn't come out of his wheel and win. Today, he could. Koi wins his biggest race to date by a decent margin on Pedersen this time. And an interesting, Merlier came late very fast to third. Trent in fourth, Benji. That's an interesting result to me. Cantor fifth, Cocard sixth, then Bennett, Merit, Page, and Case Bowl rounding out the top 10. Koi just playing the probabilities. If you're in the yes. right position enough times, you're going to win. Yeah, and fucking finally, let's be honest about it. He's been knocking on this door for so much this year. Top fives everywhere in UE Tour in Tirreno and so forth that he finally gets that victory. And to be honest, it was time that he took that victory. And hopefully for him, it's kind of like with Almeida that the flood doors opened. The flood doors? The floodgates. The floodgates? The floodgates opened. Floodgate. Yeah, the flood doors. <laughs> <laughs> just regular doors <laughs> anyway uh, um what was i saying again i mean like, uh, let's just search, settle down with i mean they opened for almeida and then they kind of closed again the the, the floodgate the Man. dam controller 
the park and that the government authority that controls the damn gates they kind of shut them again they're like there ain't enough water our mate of no more winds who's us fault <laughs> he's the guy that <laughs> closed it racing he's injured <laughs> he has knee tendonitis which actually really sucks um that's yeah, news as is. well but no i agree with what you're saying he gets through he won in polonia of course this isn't his first world tour win but this is the big boys this is parry nice yeah you know bennett all the riders want to put a big parry nice sprint on their palmares he's as benji said he's had second fourth second ninth fourth fourth second now wins that's in 17 race days he's had all those top tens yeah he what is it? he reminds me of phillips in a lot Okay. He's aero. He's yeah. in position. He is aggressive enough to fight off when someone's trying to steal the wheel he's got on. He didn't. I'm talking Phillips in 2021. He really reminds yeah. me of him a lot, actually. I do believe that when he fights against the top sprinters, because Peterson a good sprinter, but Peterson is that sprinter like of an artist. He starts at the front yeah. and doesn't have that kick to pass anyone. He's just a rider that sprints from the front and hopes he can make it to the line before anyone passes yeah. him. That's Peterson. Like Van Aert did at the Tour de France and got passed a few times, for example. That's the exact sprinter Peterson is. And Corey's the kind of sprinter that is just on the brink of getting past those kind of riders to be able to win it. But if someone else is on the wheel, if an informed Jakobsen is on the wheel, a Philipson, Philipson or Jakobsen really, win. Yeah. I think so. Cavendish, I still think, is reasonably sharp. He just... Klepsiritsa. <laughs> Yeah, serious. Uh, ain't getting it done. Um, what next for Koi? So there's been a lot of talk in the media, maybe not the Anglophone media, but Dutch media a little bit about you know his contract is up. He's not going to the Tour de France. He's not going to the Giro d'Italia. He listen, the Vuelta team ain't picked for anybody. You, we've spoken about it before, Benji. From what I've seen here, I really would send him to the Giro because. <laughs> He's he's gone to the Pyrenees with Vingegaard. He's he can be used to mop up bonus seconds, whatever later in the race. Affini's probably going to go to the Giro anyway because he's Italian and that's the rules. And Affini and Coy's pairing has been extremely successful. He's been on the right wheel every single sprint stage. Are there re is there really that much of a downside sending him to the Giro? Like, will that really kill Roglic GC that much? I think Roglic will just be annoyed about it personally, that he doesn't have an entire team working for him. I would say when it comes to Olaf Koy, that we said last year he should go to the Giro last year. He would have won a, a Giro stage last year. I'm standing by my point. He could do so again if he's at the Giro. Definitely. I'm definitely standing at that point again. But he's supposedly not riding any Grand Tour. Maybe a layer of wealth I might arrive, but that didn't seem to be the case based on the announcements at the start of the year. I did hear like a rumor like, I don't know if Marijn Zeman said it, I'd like the announcement of Jumbo Visma, that Olaf Koy could ride the Tour de France next year, perhaps. I don't believe that. 24. I don't believe. Yeah. No. It just doesn't happen. Like, if he stays at Jumbo Visma, he's never riding the Tour as long as Van Aert is there, in my opinion. And if that's the case, then you got to think Olaf Koy needs to leave this team at the end of the season. I think Giro makes a lot of sense. And look... Go and watch the footage today. Yeah. Vingegaard had a shocker yesterday. He made mistakes, bad attack. His watts weren't as good as Gran Camino. Bad day yesterday. Deflation, Pagacha absolutely slapped Yumbo yesterday. Yeah. Watch the finish after this stage. Vingegaard looks almost happier than Koi. Because Vingegaard now, 
They won the TTT. They now win a road stage. The atmosphere is lifted up in the team at dinner tonight after the shitty day yesterday. And Vingegaard almost is like, okay, well, at least like we still won a stage and the pressure's off me a little bit. Spotlight's moved over to Olav. And so that's why I think like, remember the Giro last year, Benji? Like they sent Dumoulin for GC. That did not work. At least they won two stages. This team's too good. And listen, Rolex is different to Dumoulin. I'm not comparing those apples to apples. I'm just saying, are there seven guys better than Olav Koy for their Giro team? And I don't... Last year it wasn't, and this year there isn't. So he should have been at the Giro both years. Yeah. But it all depends, I guess, on his fitness. I haven't seen him climbing. I don't know how versatile he is, because what you can't have, you cannot deploy team resources, and this is what Godu's point was, you cannot have team resources helping him miss... Uh, make the time cut. Yeah, that's the big thing. He uh, yeah. he's and that's why Gudu was like, well, you, I, I don't want four guys helping Demar not OTL in the tour. I don't think he would, but anyway, only Afini. Once the no, Afini should be. Yeah, I mean Afini will be with with Koi anyway, like in those yeah. stages. <laughs> yeah, but but then Rolex will be like, I want Afini helping me not go to the three kilometer banner. So that's well, the, that's the tension. That's on flat stages though. He, Rolich will yeah. want Afini to take to him to three Ks to go, and then Afini can't do a leader after that. There's other riders that can do that, man. Uh, yeah, nah, no I'm need. I'm kind of coming around to Benji's way of thinking here. It wasn't before, <laughs> but after this, after this Paranese, I'm like, he doesn't need to train this kid. Um, yeah. Anyway, and his positioning, you know who I think, looks really good. His positioning has gotten better. Yeah, because last year it wasn't perfect yet. Now he's in the position every single time. Anyway, continue. I think Arno DeMar's on for San Remo. I think he's going to win. Dude, DeMar, his, he, made G, he made third on the 500-meter 12% climb behind Pog and Paulus. He's sprinting up 5Ks, 4.5%. That little intermediate thing, was, I know they didn't exactly launch it like the Poggio, but he's looking in really, really good shape. I would watch out for DeMar on uh, San Remo. The thing is, he's won it in twenty sixteen, allegedly holding on to a car for one of the one of the longest periods of times in in cycling. But he ended up sprinting against Ben Swift, Rulans, Buhani, yeah, Van Avermaet, Christoph Hausler. That is not the kind of group that you have these no. days at the front in a race like this. You've seen him at the um, top of the Cipressa in second or third position two three years ago. If I he recall made, correctly, he made the group last year after Cipressa, but he's not gonna win Sandremo. I don't thing. see him getting over the top of the Poggio in the first group. Second group, yes. And yeah, you're right. It's like Bini, um, Mathieu van der Poel, Wout van Aert, Arno de Lee. He, he's not looking like he's quick enough to beat these guys in a sprint at the moment. Anyway. Yeah. Then again, he's positioning. Yeah. He will, he will be, he will enter Chipressa in good position. That's how he makes it over. Uh, tomorrow's stage in Paris from Tours to La Corsa Loop, 197Ks. It is, we're, we're in Nice now, so it is does look a little bit sunnier. They're north of Cannes in the hills. We have, I mean, this has got to be a break stage. They have 2Ks, 10% after a 5K, 6% step climb, descent, then uphill finish. What do you reckon? I think Being someone will try. Oh, he's not here. Nah, I think... I think someone will try something on that last climb. I know it's 30k from GC. the finish line. Yeah. Uh, I want it. Come on. Good Pull out on stage. Give it to me. 
Where's the uh, intermediate? Beef Marie Blanc. The intermediate's at the top of it too. Yeah. Maybe we will have a nice GC fight again. I mean, if you're UAE, Benji, you know who could win this stage. Bogatro. He could indeed. Um, maybe even Trenton. Uh, they give him the lead out. <laughs> I actually think Trenton could win this stage. I mean, they got Wellens. They got a lot of guys. I mean, mate, if mate, I'm UAE, mate. I'd be aggressive tomorrow. Do not overhype Trenton either now. He was in the sprint. Yes, yes, yes. But did you <laughs> listen to Caleb Ewan who said there were multiple types of sprinters? Trenton is the type of sprinter that can follow but can't go over other sprinters. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little uphill finish. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens tomorrow. Maybe there's a breakaway that goes all the way, but UAE might be nervous about that four. No, I can't do maths. Six second lead that Pagacha now has on Godou. And we all know stage eight of Paranese is a very, very tricky one. Uh, Foggy wins. Tomorrow? Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a decent chance it happens. Uh, anyway. That's all from us today. Bit of a longer one, but there's a few things to talk about. Torino was much, much better. And uh, thanks to Zwift and yourself, as always. We'll see you with the Friday stages tomorrow. Till then, ciao.